past the heather and down to the old road Start turning the grain into the ground Rolling a new leaf over In the middle of the night there's an old man Shredding around in the gathering rain hey, Mister, if you're gonna walk on water Oh, could you drop a line in my way Oh, Somewhere in middle America You're right to the heart of matters It's a heart that matters more Think you better turn your ticket in Get your money back at the door Oh, yeah. Here we go Welcome to the December 14, 2005 podcast of the MEP Report. We'd like to welcome everyone in. This is a three-person uh, show today, uh, this week, but it is not with Story instead of Andy, because Story is currently being beaten up by naked, uh, you know, perg people in Aspen. So this is actually just <laughs> Andy, Russ, and me. Uh, but yeah. Andy is back and Why won't better, you be naked with us? Be Come naked on, with story. us, Story! Come on, Story! We love have nature, some meat. Story! Have some meat, Story! Eat meat! Yeah, exactly. Oh, do you guys remember when Brad and I threw Story into the snowbank back at uh, the Fairfield University tournament? I thought it was a that was like, uh, and you almost killed him because you threw yes. him onto a rail? Yeah. Ex- well, no, we threw him over a rail into a snowbank, but oh. the, the idea is that that's sort of training for what he's going through right now, which is naked <laughs> environmentalists frolicking about and throwing him into snowbanks until he strips naked and becomes one with nature with them. So that's what he's uh, going through right now. Which is pretty exciting. Wait, so I was going to say, it's stripped story? I, I really don't remember this. Well, we didn't strip no, no. him. <laughs> it's the untrained part. I wasn't part. there for that. It's the untrained portion. <laughs> Damn it, Russ, you that revealed what was never meant to be revealed. Yeah, this is also the first podcast where we have an absolute guaranteed audience, and I'm very excited by that, because Story's not Who's here, that? so clearly he's going to download and listen uh, to Story. I was really excited about it. It's <laughs> an excellent point. No, we're, get, we're getting, uh, you know, more people, we, apparently from the bandwidth usage and everything, more people are starting to download us, which we really uh, we really appreciate. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we want to try to give you guys the funniest, most entertaining podcast that exists on the internet. Uh, if you... By the way, I've noticed. I don't so know. Can we give a link for that or something? I think it's only fair. I was going to say that. I was going to be like, and so here you go: www.reallyfunnypodcast.com. Please <laughs> no, exactly. link it from the MEP report. It's you know and better then, and more quality, and we really hope that you enjoy it as well. But but then you can come back to us and say, this is what these guys can become down the road. Is no the comment, no comment from Gray. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, did I just disconnect? What the hell happened? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, man. It's pretty funny. Um, so, Andy, uh, welcome back. You're feeling better this week, I can tell. I am. I'm in much better spirits. This, you know, both health-wise and mentally. That's good. That's good all the way around. Last week was just kind of... It was It was just brutal last week. It was It was really brutal on many, many levels. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. We here at the MEP Report um, are sorry about that, and we're glad that you're uh, here this week, because we have one thing we have to <laughs> open up with. Did you just apologize as an organization to me? I did. That's horrible. I apologize on behalf of everyone. thing I've ever heard. No, no, because it's Greg leading to something personal. Greg just wrote like personal. a corporate condolences letter impromptu. Dear Mr. Trout, we're <laughs> very saddened by your events in the recent past. Wish to express our heartfelt condolences and wish you a speedy recovery. Why do I sound, why do I sound like someone out of uh, Christmas Carol? Is there a reason for that? Look, Mr. Gradgrind, you, you know... Um, 
No, uh, the reason I said that is because I'm certainly, you know, when the podcast is finished, as friends, we will actually hear more details about what Andy went through, which we're not going to reveal to the podcast listening audience. Because what I want to focus on um, is fantasy football, specifically both of you two who are both in the semifinals. Do you realize that Menor should have lost if that Dustin didn't even realize? I mean, if Dustin realized that he was still in it, Menor, I mean, all Dustin had to do was, like, put in a quarterback who was playing. Or put defense that wasn't playing Indianapolis would have been another choice. Oh, yeah. Well, if Clea had still been in the playoffs, if she hadn't had that, you know, been taken away, Clea would have beaten him, too. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, really, the story of the quarterfinals was the Lake Merritt Geese, i.e. the Story Clayton team versus the Doheny Archons. And one of the epic matches of all time. The Doheny Archons pulled it out by 6 points, 93.35 to 87.37. And they defied all experts who predicted they had an 85% chance of losing. <laughs> were those experts um, people who are currently in Aspen, Colorado? Was that where a large percentage of experts Yes, strength, were? the Northern Californian experts, I guess. And <laughs> there was actually an article written in the local paper, which was picked up from our message board on fantasy football. And I'll just read it really quickly. Okay. That's right with you guys. Sure, sure. Okay, it's, it's entitled Archon Victory Sparks Riots. Beverly Hills, California. Following the first ever playoff win for the long-suffering Doheny Archons, local Beverly Hills residents left their mansions and townhouses and took to the streets Sunday night. <laughs> At last report, over 15,000 locals have created what can only be described as absolute pandemonium in the neighborhood surrounding Doheny Drive. Equipped with Lexus SUVs, rare antique collectible silverware, and blasting top 40 Middle Eastern pop music, the affluent crowd overwhelmed local police as they overran a police barricade on Rodeo Drive. Harold Kesselbaum, local partner at the Wilshire firm Kesselbaum and Sternstein, was quoted as saying, We here in the hills have been so unlucky for so long. I thought we could never catch a break. But when I saw Roy Williams make that impossible juggling catch in the end zone, I knew it was finally our time to prosper. But the delirious Archons have only the weekend to enjoy their victory over the heavily favored Lake Merritt Geese. For next week, they face the formerly undefeated Blind Justice, the only team run by Zen Master General Manager Adam Zimmerman. Asking him about his chances next week, Archon GM Russ G was quoted as saying, "We won. Are you sure? I never bought Stat Tracker. <laughs> Holy shit! Yes, 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 yes." <laughs> His quote then devolved into some strange emu-sounding dialect. Can anyone stop the Archons? We'll find out soon if there's anything left of Beverly Hills after tonight. Wow! That's breaking news from the land of fantasy football. That's extremely Pick dramatic. Pugilist League. That that is yes. uh that is extremely dramatic. Uh, meantime, while you were laying the wood to story, uh, Andy was locked in a death struggle with a team only known <laughs> as Why. <laughs> Russ was doing what? <laughs> Russ Whoa! was laying the wood to story. Oh what my. an unfortunate <laughs> euphemism, my friend. <laughs> well, I wondered why story, you know decided to bench his tight end, and then it all became clear to me when I learned it anyway. Um, so <laughs> I bitch-slapped him so bad, he became a naked, frolicking environmentalist. <laughs> that, that's the problem, exactly. Noah, uh, while you were doing that, Andy was... Would you say that he gave Story a good piping? Oh, oh, God. You know, this is supposed to be a rated PG-13 type of podcast. Well, certainly not PC. Well, no, that other thing... Did you see that on one of the podcast sites? Our rating is now PC because apparently the Motion Picture Association doesn't want their ratings to be used in a podcast rating show. I'm not making that up. So they've now called yes. us. Oh no, PC. just to say that we're not uh, 
PC in the generic sense. Correct. No, that's certainly true. They've, uh, wait, they no. called who? The Motion Picture Association didn't want didn't want this podcasting you know website to use their rating system of PG R you know uh, you know G all that stuff. They PG thirteen. Right. I guess somebody X, felt it was copyrighted X. or something. Right. I say we fight. Please. We definitely have to that's fight it? this guy. We should. And it's it's not even the uh, it's like the Motion Picture Rating Association, which is separate from the industry itself, isn't it? I think that's true. Isn't there some separate? Yeah. So who cares about those guys? They're puny and crappy, and just because they have to get paid off so that you know Jennifer Garner's new movie doesn't get an X and gets an R, so that all whatever get more people in there. Who cares? Jennifer Garner's movies are supposed to be rated X, really. I made a pretty bad random example, but the idea is that you know movies (laughs) like Star Wars need to be PG, and so if something happens where they would want it to be PG-13, Star Wars has to freak out, pay them millions of dollars, and keep the PG rating so that they can get you know the full uh, audience that they were hoping for. Right, that's the key. That's what happens behind the scenes. We and I know this because I've imagined it. <laughs> because it has gone, come through in my mind. Um, I think we should definitely do that, exactly. and um, I think that Andy should be the first one to... No, you know, uh, you're right. I imagined the same thing, Russ, so it must be true. Well, that's it. That's verifiable, then. There you go. You can write it down, couldn't along with do the something? fantasy football news. Andy, couldn't you get Aaron what Fox? What are the chances like... that we, we would independently imagine that? And um, it not one be in true? six. One in, oh, not, and it not be true? I would That's say even it's a, longer odds than that. I would say it's a 15% <laughs> chance, wouldn't you say, Russ? Yes, and by that we mean it's guaranteed that it's not true, because 15% chances are guarantees, baby. Yeah! <laughs> right. See, I don't, Andy. Sorry, got me robbed. Why is Andy not reacting the same way after after beating the living crap out of out of a team only known as Bye last week? Bye didn't even show up, man. <laughs> you beat the crap out of it. You kicked its ass. Out of what? Out of who? You beat Bye, man. Bi. Oh, that's faced... true. It didn't even didn't even score any points. Right. No points like, at all. Right. It, it was as if no team was there. It was amazing. It was pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel well, going Andy's into your... just waiting in the wings. Yeah, I did, I did take over first place on the very last week. I know, it was very impressive. Thanks to Clea beating Zemi. Way to do it. Um, do it. So do you feel confident about your team, uh, Andy, going in against Menor? Menor's shown some weakness here. So do you feel confident about your team's chances? Well, I still would have liked uh, the dudes to have played a quarterback so I could have played his team instead of Menor. <laughs> you guys have like a superstitious fear of Menor's team. That's the problem. It has the league lead by 100 points and more for, for total points in the season. There's a good reason for that. But it's erratic, though. You know, it loses, you know, it, it loses week to week. He can, like, fall apart and not show up, you know? A couple extra hoes uh, in the hotel so, room and that team goes downhill. Weeks, but I think I could beat the dudes on most weeks, whereas Menor, I have to wait for him to have an off week. I suppose that's true. By the way, for our listening audience, Menor is actually Andy's roommate. Um, and so there's going to be quite a lot of, uh, you know, following via wireless networks of fantasy football, I would imagine, in that household. You Crap. would think. You would think. But Andy has been sort of very flying under the radar. He sort of take, took his bye in stride, hitting the semifinals. I think he's probably at this point the most dangerous team in the league, being that Menor, by all rights, should have gotten his ass kicked last week. Agreed. And uh, I won't have to play Andy until the finals if it happens. If I can get by the blind man... Then, uh, I'm not entirely will call. sure. I mean, I don't feel really good about that at all. So, first of all, Brady might not be playing. Although they that say that every weekend. 
Because you don't carry a backup quarterback. You would have to start, like, Chris Sims or some horrible guy. Right. Some guy you picked out of the garbage. <laughs> right. um, like Rex Grossman, they, they, yes! They say it every week. They say every week he's, like, you know, injured, and then he always plays. I know, it's true. Somebody said that, that uh, Bill and Belichick... Belichick forbids him to tell anybody. Well, that's what they were, I was just going to say. Some people say that Bill Belichick is like the fantasy football player's worst enemy because he's just sort of like, well, you know, the, right now every player is questionable. Everyone is conceivably injured. I, my whole team could be dead or they might all be immortal. They, there was no, there's no way of knowing, really. Should be interesting. Should be an interesting. Uh, should be an interesting situation, and it's going to be. It's going to be fun to watch it. Uh, my team um, really bounced back from a bad week last week um, and successfully beat the sh- beat the living crap out of its ex- you know team that it was opposing, which was also known as by curiously. Um, so wait, let me let out. me make sure I understand. Living crap is approved. The S word is not. Is that right? Right, right. <laughs> it was a good censor. I approve of it too. It's right. like we beat the f- the sh- the, <laughs> the living bee Jesus. How about that? <laughs> my dad. That is my da- racially insensitive. Racially <laughs> insensitive. <laughs> what? Why is it racially insensitive? I guess it's religiously insensitive. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that yes. Are you um, calling Christians a race, Andy? We're a priestly race. That's what the Bible <laughs> a godly race. Oh. Actually, good, Andy, good save there. I thought you guys would be interested in this. I was playing an online morgue that we've talked about on this show before, and uh, someone in game said something like, uh, "Oh Jesus, something or other." You know, my, you know, I, I did something you weren't supposed to do. It was basically kind of semi-swearing, I guess. Oh Jesus, I dropped this thing in the water or something. And someone came on and basically was like, "I would appreciate it if you wouldn't use." Jesus as a swear word, and they suggested alternatives. They're like, so the so the guy was like, okay, I can't use that. Can I use like Buddha <laughs> How about for example? Cheesy, crazy. Can I use Buddha? Or so so everyone started coming up with like religious and philosophical leaders. Like, oh Kant, I dropped this, and oh Heidegger, I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> so a good wrote, one. That's a good one. I like oh, Kant. Kant is a good one. So do I. Kant is solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Andy, what's your view on this? Faintly as, reminiscent of an even worse profanity, which is why we like it so much. As a, as a, you know, as as someone who is of the Christian faith, what is your view of using Jesus? Is that taking the names, Lord, the Lord's name in vain, or you know, is that simply not a big deal? I mean, I, I if yeah, what is your view on taking, taking the, the name word in vain? Jesus? I mean, there's there's really no other definition of that, right? I mean, if you're gonna if you're asking is that taking the, his name in vain, I mean, how would you define taking his name in vain? Well. By I mean, injecting it, right? serum with little alphabets that spell Jesus into your artery with heroin in it. That's how you take the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, mean, I think it certainly is. I don't think I don't think saying you know something like Jesus is really much different though. I find it really interesting that every society seems to have the same the same issues though that that that. Oaths go immediately to you know to curses. So you you start off the reason why we do this at all is because people legitimately used to call out to the to God when they were in times of trouble, and then you know over time it becomes something that you you say without that same intent. You're not calling out, and it doesn't matter if you believe or not. You know it's just it's something that people say even even if they are outside the religious context, you know, entirely, even so much so that, you know, it becomes, it becomes part of the language, but this happens in every language, which 
but I find it to be an interesting sociological phenomenon. You know that, that every language would to call out to God and then at at some point in time turn that into uh, something blasphemous. It's kind of interesting to me that, that that's the universal among among humans. Well, part of the reason for that has got to be that. That, and this is always the problem. I was thinking about this when we were talking about it. My dad used to always give me alternatives to cursing. You know, he was just like, and if you ever, which by the way was funny because I didn't really curse much as a child anyway, but you know, if at all. But he was like, well, son, if you ever really <laughs> feel like you need youngster, to curse. Greg Wilson. If you, exactly, yeah. But uh, he was like, if you, well, son, if you ever feel the need to curse, you could always say something like, blast it. And I was like, um, see, the problem with using. Because that's what Han Solo says, and people love Han Solo. It. Because, but that's the thing. Using approved words doesn't have the same feel. I mean, you use something which is vaguely blasphemous or vaguely taboo, and that's what really makes the curse feel like you're doing something. You're like, oh, damn, you know? And and that and you you really feel like you've said something as opposed to, oh, rats, oh, oh shucks. That just doesn't have the same, or you, you know, just always, vitriol. You could make up things like... Will Ferrell style from Anchorman, you could be like, "Great Odin's Raven," <laughs> which is solid. <laughs> That's true. That's very good. Um, it is solid. So, you just invoke Greek gods. That won't offend anybody. So what about? I believe if, that one was. If more. we didn't use the name of Jesus, what if we used another oh, religious please. leader? You know, like Buddha. What if it was like, "Oh Buddha, I dropped something in the water." Now is that taking Buddha's name in vain? I mean, Buddha. Oh, I don't know. You, mm-hmm. you might want to talk to an actual Buddhist about that. It might. I don't think they have these, you know, Buddha's a, an actual person, so I'm not sure if it would be that, uh, you know. Jesus was an actual person. Know. Yeah, Jesus was an actual person. But he Jesus also was also believed to be God by his followers, whereas Buddha wasn't believed to be God by his followers. Uh, mm, no, not, he ascended. To, didn't he ascend? He ascended, right? No. It, like 80% of all Buddhists don't believe that he was godly. There, there are there's, there are sects that believe that in in southeastern Asia, but the mainline Buddhists don't believe that he was the divine. It's just that he was able to find enlightenment. That is my. But there was some. I mean, you there know, is definitely a, no there's definitely a sect Buddhist. that does that believes that, but they're not the mainline sect. They're not the majority. But boy, if you ever run into them, you better not be saying "Oh Buddha" and take his name in vain. <laughs> They're like, you've run to the wrong I don't sect. know, and maybe they do. Maybe. maybe they do. I have no idea. Well, what we need to do is ask our Buddhist listeners to uh, email us um, on the metreport.com website and let us know, are we allowed to take Buddha's name in vain? And if we are, then we'll go right about yeah, we'll not doing Yeah, we'll just give you it. a list, and you will check whether you are very offended, slightly offended, or not offended. Here we go. Oh, Buddha. Fuck Buddha. Buddha damn. <laughs> Buddha, Buddha, pizza, pizza, booty, shake, delicious, <laughs> silly putty, Buddha. See, the right, the problem done. is Just use those, those, those four. <laughs> the problem is that the Buddha himself actually—I'm I'm reading this now. Buddha himself actually rejected the the idea that he was God, so it makes it tough for Buddhists to believe that he's God. Well, okay. How about this, Andy? I mean, even if we take your assumption that most of them don't believe that he was a god. If there was somebody that you really revered and respected and patterned your life after, I think you could still be offended, you know, if you're making fun of them. Like, if Story was here, and I'm like, Mahandas Crapo, you know, and I was like, Gandhi shit. He would, he would, I mean, he would think I was ridiculous, but he also might not feel like that would be a very appropriate thing to say either. Correct. Also, if you said things, if you said, like, counting crows and then crap or something like that, he would also be offended by that, I think. Crapping crows? (laughs) Take that intro theme music, 
Vegetarian. Vegetarian. I'm, I'm with you guys. Crap. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so the divinity. So what makes it name? So what the the issue is if the, if it's divine? No, no, I'm not. Then you're in trouble. That's the key. No, I'm not actually saying that. No, 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 no. That's not my point. Well, oh, my okay. point. My point was, I was just reacting to do the. Is it an analogy? based on whether he was God. I don't know how they feel. I mean, I would imagine that they would probably... I don't know if they... It, what, what I'm pointing out is that I don't know if they would so use... You're saying would they, it, would they cry it might not out be a profanity. Buddha. It's not a profanity. Well, this, it just might be offensive. It might right. be offensive, and it, I don't know if it would happen because I don't know if they cry out to Buddha in a time of need, you know? I don't know if that's part of their faith. Well, they don't have they need. Buddha, They're supposed to get rid of all their needs and wants. They have no desires. Isn't that the idea? Well, you don't really need anything if you're a Buddhist. But they have, well, they have suffering. They have suffering, right. Yeah, but they need the suffering. So why would they cry out during suffering? It's, like, required. No, no, no. No one needs suffering. It's just a fact of human existence to live through, according to the Buddhists. Now, yeah. isn't there a part of Buddhism where suffering somehow, you know, cleanses you of other things that you don't need and is enlightening and therefore it's necessary? No, it's more ignorant. Right, I mean, again, outside of any, any area of knowledge that no, I, I, can ha answer I would this. have about this, again, I've I can answer. I can this answer is, this. This is mostly true because it, you know, the question appeared in my head, so therefore I would think it's true <laughs> See, about Buddhism. So you imagined if it. you actually but, can verify it. But since Andy <laughs> exactly. did not, but since Andy did not imagine at the same time, that means that there's a little bit of credibility gap, um, you know, with the question that you asked. I think. Um, Wait, I'm actually just now thinking about it. That's what I would imagine. Oh, all right. Well, oh, maybe so. There it is. It's well, true. This is what I'll say. It's my bro true. my brother is actually a Buddhist, and what he would say, what he's told me before, is that the Buddhists believe that life itself is suffering, and that what we need to do is come to terms with that. Not that it's a good thing that you know, please give me more suffering, but that there is suffering, and what we need to do is to be able to recognize it, acknowledge it, and then move beyond it through the process of enlightenment. Um, and so it's not that people, the Buddhists, you know, go, please, you know, I don't have enough suffering in my life, I need to go find more. It's that you need to acknowledge that there is suffering that you're simply not acknowledging in your life as it exists today. He would say. Oh, you know who else is a Buddhist? You just reminded me. Who's that? Uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. No. <laughs> I think that's Cause true. Because remember, he goes, Buddhist? that's true, isn't he it? He goes, life is suffering, Highness. Anyone who says different is selling something. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm about to play an oh, analogy game here. Oh, that's true. That's You're right. True. But this is an analogy game, guys. Check this out. If it's true that the Dread Pirate Roberts is Buddhist, and it's also true that Story loves pirates, then it is by definition true that Story is himself a closet Buddhist. Why does he love pirates? He I loves pirates. Part. Story loves yeah, pirates. I didn't, I didn't get that connector. Okay. Story always has <laughs> loved pirates. He loves... Uh, he, he, you know, what? The, Brandeis Debate... You guys don't know this? He loves pirates. Brandeis Debate Tournament was... The pirate but theme came largely from violent. him. violent. He, he likes who, pirates. Who are more randomly violent than pirates? They follow no system of laws. And they have one eye, usually. And he doesn't like parrots. And but they I do don't think that he's a big fan of booty. I don't know where you're getting any of this from. They do, they do say things like, Arr! No, Story was one of the big proponents of the pirate theme for our Brandeis Debate Tournament. He loved the idea of piracy. He was all up in the Pirate's Grill, man. I can't believe you guys don't remember uh, this. Story's a big pirate guy. I think you're making this up. I'm not in a making vain it up. attempt to get Story to be so angry that he <laughs> steals a microphone from the mountains of Aspen and logs into our chat. Yeah, exactly. No, um, wrong. That's, no, he likes pirates. Everything I ever heard about him says that he likes pirates. You know, they're fun. They were, you know... <laughs> Everything that I've ever heard about this guy tells me he likes pirates. 
He's a pirate guy. I, I'm pretty sure... It's such a there, weird thing to say. We can confirm that. I'm pretty sure that he likes pirates. I'm sure he doesn't like the things they did, but, you know, pirates were also misunderstood, you need to remember. You know, pirates kind of right, got Andy, a bad rap. Andy, do you imagine that story likes pirates? Stop with your imagining. Hmm, I don't, I don't really <laughs> imagine that about him. You did see, I neither trick? do I, and therefore it's definitely not true. <laughs> I imagine that he doesn't like pirates, in fact. No. I imagine yeah, I that he, he hates, hates pirates. pirates. He likes pirates. <laughs> What you're talking about? Well, we'll have to find out next week as to whether he likes pirates. Or I love not. How Greg's feelings. Are, he loves pirates. I swear, Stop it. That's I love not it. fair. But anyway, oh goodness. Well, you know. I see no references to pirates on his website. I see no, you know, references to pirates in his uh, wardrobe or manner of speech. He, then how do you explain the fact that he it. was one of the major people who supported the piracy in the Brandeis Debate Tournament theme? Wait, there was a pirate so like in the Brandeis Debate oh, Tournament? There was a pi- yeah, there was a pirate debate tournament. <laughs> yeah, we tournament. stole our theme from other debate tournaments as they were moving along. We're like, God sees that theme! Arr! <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's mostly just because they wanted to say R. Um, that might have something to do with it, but... Well, I don't know. Speaking of, uh, I, I think he likes pirates. We'll have to find out next week whether he actually does. But speaking of pirates, um, so... Andy, you want me to fill out a character assassination form on you? Is this what you want me to do? You said? Uh, character assessment. <laughs> assessment form. My bad. Please assassinate this following person's character in no less than 250 words. So why do I... So so what is this uh, What is this for, Andy? You've already passed the bar. Congratulations, uh, okay. by the way. Okay. You've already passed the bar. So it allows me to actually practice law. They actually have to look into my background and make sure that, you know, that I'm uh, not a bad person. I see. So we have to try Andy Terrell is a bastard because, <laughs> etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I see. So they have to do a character set. Is this is, all states have to do this? They all have to do character assessments. You think, or it's just? This I mean, they they all make their own rules. They're all independent of each other. Okay. So you need to do a character assessment. Well, I'm happy to do it. An assessment, not an assassination. And um, you know, and lend my credence, whatever it will be. They'll probably look at me and they'll be like, listen, this guy's an English professor. His grasp on law is and, and character is going to be shaky at best. So we really don't know whether we want to accept that. Well, fortunately, you don't actually Andy have to... reminds me of Horatio in page 212 <laughs> when he's quoted as saying, gee, look at that lampshade. And this is sort of the character assessment I would give for Andy Terrell. <laughs> exactly. That would be me. Fortunately, you don't actually have to talk about law at all. Oh, okay. I just have to talk about you specifically. You just have to say things like, am I honest or something? I don't know. I see. I think that's I'm true. I'm too honest, so I think that should be easy to answer. I, I can say that you wouldn't take the Lord's name in vain, although you might be willing to take Buddha's name in vain. I'm not sure if they're concerned about that, but you could say that. <laughs> I'd just be like, we don't really think this matters, but we wanted to you know, bring it up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm happy to do it. It's good. Andy, so on your new character sheet, are you going for a higher charisma score or a constitution? Luck. I think as a lawyer, definitely going to increase definitely. my luck. You luck? No, I'm going for luck. Luck can help you with anything. Oh, really? Give you your 20-sided die. I, I usually only use an 18-sided die. Ooh, that must be rare. I've never even heard of one of those. I don't even know if that's possible. As in Uber nerd, I should have. What? 18-sided die? Why don't I have one of those? Crap! Damn it! That's what just happened when. 17 people were listening to the MEP report. 15 of them just said that. Why are 18 shining? Shit. <laughs> what are you yeah, suggesting about our listener base? That they all pay attention to dice and they play D&D?
And they have a weird lispy kind of nerd dialect, <laughs> yes. That was Russ <laughs> making family. fun of our listener base. Thank you. <laughs> Russ Guberman. You can find him at... All comments to Russ at MapReport.com, please. <laughs> so how's law... I been, dare you, bastards. How's the law firm situation been going, Andy? Any cool cases you can publicly talk about and humiliate your clients? Uh, no, I can't really... No, I, no, I can't talk... <laughs> I, al- like, I almost got I? him there. He's like, mm. um, no, I can't, really. <laughs> it's totally Sounds illegal. Sounds like a great idea. Yes. <laughs> that that would be a bad, bad idea. That would be a bad idea. Well, in general terms, <laughs> are you working on any, like, let's say, MEP report-related stuff? You know, stuff that could affect privacy issues later on or, you know, say, could affect emus, the rights of emus, anything like that? This is a very broad question that you're asking. Exactly. Have to think about I have that nothing to do time. with... <laughs> Nothing to do with emu rights. Nothing at all. Yeah, typical. You don't want to take the Lord's name in vain, but you don't give a damn about the emu. I see how it is. Yeah, emu. We need some emu profanities. If you have any emu profanities in mind, email them to themetreport.com. <laughs> so email anything, random strings of keys. If you smash your head into the keyboard and <laughs> happen to email it to metreport.com, that would be good. Because we'll make fun of it the next Hate week. Mail, all that fan mail, junk mail, enlar- penis enlargement emails, spam, we'll accept those, metreport.com. <laughs> I you wish uh, to offer me a student loan consolidation, I'll take it, I promise. If you were the widow of a uh, former Nigerian leader who just happens to have $6 trillion in the bank that you'd like to send to us, <coughs> we'd be happy to look into that. For a transaction fee of $199 American, you can be <laughs> the richest man in Nigeria. <laughs> exactly. Can I do an internet news story? Of course. Since we're doing that anyway, because I have one in front of me. Oh, sure. And it, it feeds into my general propaganda. So here we go. Um, the the story's entitled Boy Dies Playing Choking Game. It's not a funny story at all. It's uh, an 11-year-old Horsham boy died over the weekend while playing a high-risk game in which children and teenagers cut off the flow of oxygen to the brain as a way to get high. I'm just going to read that first sentence and say, This death brought to you by the Office of National Drug Control Policy. Way to go, guys. Let's ban all the harmless drugs so that kids play the choking game to get high and suffocate themselves. <laughs> Wait a minute. Round of applause, U.S. government. Good job. Wait a well minute. done. Drug war. Happy times. Uh, am I to understand that you've just taken a story about kids choking themselves and blame this on the national drug control policy? Is is this? Am I clear on this? Absolutely. This is such an unintended consequence of the drug war. It's not even funny. Do you think if these kids had access to weed, they would be trying to strangle themselves for fun? How no, old was this because kid? in fact, it's not fun, and it's a desperate attempt. How old Who was cares? This kid? Just give them weed. They won't <laughs> die from it. What? At least they won't strangle themselves. Jesus. I mean, Buddha. <laughs> Buddha. Kant. Okay, right. Andy, Kant, Kant's got to be it. Please help me remember to say Kant as an exclamation from now on. Andy, help me out here. Is there something wrong good. with Russ's logic that is beyond the obvious thing that's wrong with his logic? Well, you know, koalas are pretty much high all the time. You, did you know that? That eucalyptus leaves actually give them a constant buzz. That's true. And they're addicted to them. Not only is it their only source of food, but they're addicted to them. That's true. And koalas, they seem to get on just fine. I mean... I guess they're not the most ambitious animal, but you know, <laughs> they're more they're ambitious pretty harmless. Than the well, not only that. Did you actually now see? I don't know if this supports Russ or not, but the koala bear is actually kind of a nasty animal. If it's not 
near its eucalyptus, and I'm not making this up, it actually tends to get aggressive and, like, upset if it's not near eucalyptus, which supports this idea. So You maybe, mean they're not cuddly and friendly like all the plush toys and real-life grizzly bears that I've uh, learned from childhood toy playing? Not unless well, they are when they're, they're all doped cuddly up. And friendly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when if they're doped up, they are. Exactly. If you're drugging, gotcha. the, if you're drugging the cont out of them, you're It's kind of like the girl at the party. Okay, you're at the party, and there's the girl who's really high. And she seems all friendly and very, very your friendly. Character assessment form, Greg. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm taking you know, notes. And you think she's very cuddly, very, very friendly when she's all doped up. But she gets very aggressive a few days later when you don't call her back. And you know, you try to give her some weed to calm her down again. But then she's, you know, she's just kind of aggressive after that. I don't know if that's related. So are you saying that to hose that in fact hookups are a drug? Well, only if they're already high. What? Oh. So it's like a secondary high drug of some kind. Well, if... It, right, because this is the girl who is already high that we're talking about here. And if it's a hookup, it's definitely a uh, hmm. contact high. Thank you, thank you very much, thank you very much. This message brought to you by Attorneys with Roofies. Come <laughs> see us today at wegetthisbar.com. <laughs> at characterassessmentforyou.org. Um, uh, this is a really <laughs> fascinating analogy. Um, so wait, though. But l- let's go back to Russ's initial premise. So as I understand it then, the idea is to give everyone not only access, but sort of require that they at least try drugs on the theory that you're going to knock out the possible violent offenders before they get started, right? Like whether it be strangling themselves, well, strangling Well, I'm not other sure people. Russ actually said the part about making people do drugs. I'm not sure he actually did say. <laughs> it's mandatory, and then you must play the choking game too, just because I said so. Well, he said give little kids drugs so that they don't, you know, they don't strangle each other. Sounds mandatory to me. I believe he said give okay. them access. To, I think he said access to it, not to, to, to actually drug them. What, like at a drug counter? Like, <laughs> I'd like a Hershey's bar and a joint. Thank you. Um, he, actually, it would be like purchasing cigarettes, probably. You go up to the counter and you say, I'd like to buy a pack of, you know, Marlboro brand marijuana cigarettes. Yeah, but... I assume that's what he would... Is that, is that, well, am I correct? Be, you have to be 18 to buy cigarettes. Well, this is... The, the funny thing is... Theoretically, the fact that drugs are sold on the black market should make it way easier for these 12-year-olds to get access to it, and so they wouldn't have to worry about their stupid choking game, which is sort of disappointing, because it seems like they're not, they're not creative enough to find ways to get drugs, and so all they've relegated themselves to is choking themselves to death for fun. And basically, and maybe they should just win a Darwin Award and we should forget about it. Like, if that's fun <laughs> exactly. to you, you're going to choke yourself. You can't even be creative enough to find, you know, Jerome on the, on the corner and buy some freaking weed, then maybe... Maybe you should not survive. I mean, let, maybe you're social Darwinist. Let's be honest about this. Let's maybe think I'm a back, social Darwinist. Let's let's think back to when we were children. I want to give you guys a quick example. I remember at the age of eleven thinking that it would be a great idea to take a match, light it, and then use a Lysol can to turn the match into a flamethrower. And the trick was to stop. You take Woo! the match away the minute that it got close to the can, so it didn't blow up in your face. Now I'm not going to go on record as claiming that this was I mean, a when I was... good idea. I'm going to say this is what stupid male kids especially do. Boys do this when they're 11. They are not known for, you know, logical, rational thought. When I was a kid, you would only do choking if you were with a girl, you know? I mean, you wouldn't choke just to get high. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) 
Speaking of being high. Oh God. <laughs> Have you? You know, this was in the new in the new George Carlin routine that I'm a big fan of. That's been on HBO. Right. He does literally like ten minutes on autoerotic asphyxiation, which is this new horrible trend related to this thing, but not necessarily exactly the same. Where like prepubescent boys are masturbating while trying to choke themselves at the same time because it increases the level of pleasure that they get out of it. And so they're dying from doing this. And so he does like 10 minutes on that wonderful phenomenon. And I just think it's all, it just all smacks of repressed idiots who have no access to weed because nobody on weed would ever think to do this. They wouldn't have the motivation to come up with this horrible idea or other, you know, various harmful things that they could be doing. They would just calm down and have, have some brownies and relax. Yeah. And it would be a much better world. The operative word is they wouldn't yeah, have motivation. The operative word is motivation there. They would have none. That's the operative yeah. word to do anything. I, I, could make an, I could make a very good argument that motivation is ruining society. <laughs> I have to say, I didn't actually come up with that idea on my own. That was a, a Rising Sun reference, if anybody remembers that movie. Wow, and that's anybody? back in the day, Rising Kirk, Sun. Michael Douglas, yeah. It starts out with with people. It's a murder that's made to look like a, you know, kind of a autoerotic, or not autoerotic, just a asphyxiation gone bad of you know, with somebody else actually. Man, Michael Douglas was Never in that mind. movie. Uh. <laughs> Michael Douglas was in Basic Instinct. <laughs> Michael Douglas was in every like bizarre semi-erotica. He's film. a sketchy, sketchy dude. He is. He's married. He's to a Kevin very sketchy well, guy. He claimed he was. Uh, was the one who claimed he was addicted to sex, and that excused him from his like extramarital affairs and all that stuff? It would explain why he got married to Catherine Zeta-Jones, because boy, is she hot. Yes, she is. She is hot. Very attractive. Mep report gives the seal of approval. Catherine Zeta-Jones. We're gonna go out on a limb and say that she's very attractive. <laughs> I know many other podcasts have refrained from doing this. <laughs> we are. Willing they don't want to take come out stand. and say it. It's a very controversial issue. Exactly. Yeah, we'll go ahead and put that out there. Hey, since we're talking about. about weird internet stories. This is not really an internet story specifically. It's something that's going to affect Andy and me, though, because we both live in New York, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion about it. So, right now in New York, the... But our audience is an internet story. That's true. Sorry. And we have an internet story. He's not with us on the internet, but his name is Story. Okay. Where is our internet story? <laughs> Where is he? So, um, in New York, the MTA has been in uh, 24, uh, you know, round-the-clock the, the round negotiations with the transit workers, and basically the old contract for the transit workers, subways, buses, everything, expires this Friday at 12.01 a.m., and they're coming up with all these contingency plans as to what will happen if the subways don't run, the buses don't run, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the question I wanted to ask was, everyone is saying that they can't do this because, quote, the strike is illegal. I've heard this term before. Why would a strike be considered legal or not? Clearly a strike means you're walking out on a contract uh, I can to tell begin you about with, right? This. Okay, so so tell me what you think about I it. I can tell you about this. All right, so what's your thought? I mean, we there could ask some, a lawyer. <laughs> there are some employees who are so vital. You remember this in the air traffic controllers. Who so are so vital to the functioning of the of the public good that it is actually illegal for them to strike. Now, I'm not saying the MTA is classified as such, but people may, can, may be arguing that they should be. No, I think they are. It, I think for example, it's illegal. Um, they I'm, not, I'm not sure that that's true. I'm pretty true, sure the story said it was illegal, but anyway. For example, it is, it is illegal for the the police are not allowed to strike because it's it that is is basically a form of um, not blackmail, but what's it, extortion. Okay. You know, the police say, if you don't give us each salaries of two hundred thousand dollars a year, we will stop working for you, and that basically means we're going to give you know allow the 
the city to fall into great danger if you don't pay us off. So if it sounds like it's coming close to extortion, and I could see the argument for the MTA because it would just basically shut down the entire city. And that's that's their leverage. And if the leverage is just too heavy-handed, then, then they're not allowed to strike. But then it's like they have no um, leverage, I'm not sure right? that, that the... I mean, it means they have no options then. I mean, they can't strike at all, right? Well, and what happens is when you declare them as such, it's not that they have no options. It's that when you make that, that declaration then you say, it's, you don't, we're not going to play by the normal rules at all. It's not that they no longer can strike and they have to just take whatever's offered to them. It's that now you have you know, judges or administrative boards decide what's fair, and they are supposed to decide what's fair in, in a completely impartial sense. And especially impartial if they took the subway to work as opposed to taking a cab, I suppose. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I understand that there's always going to be that problem of, you know, people are subtly influenced by things or not so subtly influenced by things, and it's hard to escape that altogether. But, you know, for the most part, I think that they have to make it fair-ish because you want people to to want to work for the MTA. So, sure, they don't want to let the MTA get so much power that they can pull people hostage in the short term, but they don't want to make it so bad for the MTA that nobody wants to work there. So they do have a, the proper incentives to make sure that it's a pretty fair deal. See, I think this is a good idea because what it means then is if you're, a com- if you're a company, what you need to do is try to prove that your company is indispensable to keep your employees from striking. You can be like, look, you may not think that making widgets is critical, but without our widgets, many people would die from lack of widgeting. So you can't strike now, ever. Right? Uh, right. Well, they don't need to do that. They just make the argument, yeah, and then we're going to move our factory to Bolivia and you'll all lose your job, so don't strike. And, then and we'll like, pay them five cents an hour to do the same job that you do. I see. Yeah, that's really the argument that they use. So the th- argument that globalization is good. They go, ah, globalization is good, and then everyone's like, oh, crap, now we have no labor union. New York tried that, but didn't really work. Uh, we're just going to move our subways to Bolivia. And the- oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, they could just import a bunch of, like, train conductors from the jungles of, you know, some random country and put some primitive civilization in charge of the MTA <laughs> and pay them in, like, beads and jujubes and <laughs> various little knickknacks. <laughs> They'd save millions of dollars. And they'd be like, oh, let's go out on the F train. What was that? 57th Street, I think. Okay, we've That'd now definitely left PC land. Now, why is that? We're just we're talking, sort of, we're talking about kind of random natives, you know, not any specific native tribe, which have full PC protections. Yeah, these are just the natives that I imagine that exist, and therefore it's true. <laughs> it did, it's not any real natives. Now, we have to ask a question. Did Andy imagine the natives at the same time? Can Andy imagine these natives? <laughs> uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you can. You're just being PC in your imagination, you bastard. I know what's going on. You're imagining PC. Don't tell me. I'm doing the right thing. So, hey, Russ. Don't you deny my upcoming I'm reality. I'm taking the high yes. road. Taking the high road. So, Russ, uh, how does it feel? something never before seen at the MEMP report. How does it feel to live uh, how two, does it feel? two buildings away from a building with a swimming pool? How does it feel? What's that? It, what? To live two buildings away from a building what? with a swimming pool. And actually live right across from a building with you a swimming pool. You mean John Jay pool. High School? No, no, where Russ lives right what? now. What are you talking about? You mean John Jay High School? I'm talking about Russ. Oh. How's it feel to live, let's I'm see. I'm two buildings away from a swimming pool. My freaking complex has a swimming pool itself. I don't need to be two buildings away from 
Our crappy oh, did you little move? Let me see that. Four foot deep swimming pool. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see the pool. No, I'm still here. I didn't see the pool before. What's that? Oh, big Greg is looking on like Google satellite imagery or something. Oh, is this the new thing where they had the low flying planes take the pictures so they could like trump the satellite picture? Be like, look, now you can see everybody's bald spot. <laughs> look, it's great. Uh. Yeah, I, I have to admit, it's a, it's a program called Google Earth. And it's free, and it allows you to like zoom in, like like right down to the level of like cars, like where the cars are parked in the street. So I actually have Russ's place googled here, and I'm actually looking right at it. In fact, I see him right now. There he is. So you just you just typed in my address. That's it. I'm gonna wave to the satellite. Oh no! <laughs> Don't laser beam me. It just went straight over to you. And I can do this for everything. You can like go in, do 3D things. You can like. Tilt it, move it around. It's really cool, and I know exactly where everyone lives now. I know where Story lives. I see. I've seen Story's big blue house, and it is kind of blue, I guess, and semi big. It's great. That was pretty random. Well, though, to be like, how does it feel to live two buildings from a swimming pool? I'm like, who is this? <laughs> Am I on TV? What are you saying? Um, how about you? Well, let me see. Let me type in the official, official address, Annie. What's your official address again? Besides being in Brooklyn. Everyone ready? I don't want to broadcast my I'll, address. I'll, I'll beep it out. Don't you worry. Andy's not into these super uber levels of disclosure that the rest of the MEPRs are, where we list our names and addresses and social security numbers, every MEP report. For, if you want to steal my identification, please fill out a character assessment form regarding your names, proposed <laughs> switch to my name, my address, and my scholastic record. Never mind, Andy. I Excellent. found where you are. So I'm going to go there. For the people out there, all you know is that Andy lives in Brooklyn. That's all you know. Brooklyn! In the house. In the house. Okay. Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? We're flying over. Yeah. Flying over Oklahoma City, Indianapolis, Columbus, Baltimore, Philly. Flying into... Whoa! Flying into past Prospect Park, into the middle of Brooklyn, into this place that I can't tell you where it is. And there it is. I see it right there. It's focused right on it. There you are. Very cool amazing. If only you could all see this instead of just listening to it because we're Greg, how did you look at my satellite imagery and say there was a swimming pool somewhere? Because I'm looking at it. I don't see a damn thing. There's two swimming pools. A bunch of houses. No, there's two swimming pools, man. What, do you have a magnifying glass? Do you have like a 50-inch television computer monitor? What, what the hell? Are you looking? Are you using Google Earth? Damn thing. Are you using Google Earth? I'm using Google Local. No, no, no. With the satellite no, imagery. No, no, no. You want get Google closer? Earth. Google Earth is much cooler. Google Earth is a program that allows you to focus allows you to oh. focus in on everything. It's really okay, amazing. Okay, Google Earth. Yeah. I see. All right. I highly recommend Oh, do I have to download it? it? Yes, you have to download it. It doesn't take long. Ugh. And you can zoom all the way out Why to the Earth. Why does Google want to own my everywhere. computer? <laughs> I already use Google all the time. Damn it. So. Now I'm downloading the stupid thing. This is not going to be endorsed by the MEP report, by the way. Maybe part of the MEP report. Anything you have to download... That's part of the reason we were talking about this before, is why I had not started my 10-day um, trial to the world of crack cocaine, was because before I could take my trial, they wanted me to you know, input all of my financial information and my routing number to my checking account, There's a lie. and my social security number, and I had to fax my birth certificate no. and the imprint of my baby feet <laughs> yes. when I stamped them as I was born. <gasps> why the hell does world of crack cocaine want the imprint of my baby feet? 
Greg. What the hell are they? Are they cloning me? <laughs> are they cloning me so I'm going to have like a little character in World of Warcraft that's like a little Russell running around that's with it. a broadsword? That's it. They're going to make a character I model. I don't like any of this. That's it. They're going to make a character model of you. It's exactly what Maybe I'm do. paranoid. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, I don't know what has led you to become all of a sudden paranoid that when someone asks for a credit card, that all of a sudden means nightmarish disasters, but clearly that's what we're talking about right here at the moment. I'm very paranoid, and you know, it may just be because I've been in my apartment all day in the dark with my hooded sweatshirt <laughs> over my head and the doors locked and chained, but I, I don't think that has anything to do with it, really. Um, <laughs> can I ask what kind of music you listen to? Does it happen to be, let's say, Evanescence? Have you listened to The Wall by Pink Floyd a lot and stuff like that recently? I Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe I've been listening to Pink Floyd. And do you have the tendency to believe, do you believe that it wasn't actually uh, the CIA that shot Kennedy, but an alien that was then brought to Area 54 that shot him? Now, I imagine something much cooler than that, and therefore it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly uh, that's clearly an issue. I imagined it, too. Which one? Ah, you see. But what one, though? We didn't even have to verify what it was. We just know that it's true, <laughs> and whatever it is, there it is. This is a very neat trick you guys have. I think you should do this more often. We're all kind of psychic. Did did I ever tell you guys about the uh, the oh wait we, story told you right about when he was he was a psychic for a short period of time? Yes, you were psychically. Well, I don't know if we ever <laughs> put this on the podcast or not, but how he was psychically determining your ability. No, we to, never casted it. You were psychically ability. He was like able to determine every poker hand that everyone was going to have, and he was psychically warning you about it, right? Yes, it was really really freaky. It was basically like <clears throat> I was playing in a. Uh, an internet poker tournament, and he'd already been eliminated. It was a very large tournament, and he started getting these premonitions about my hands. He was like, Russ, this next hand you're getting? And he had no idea what I had. He couldn't see my cards on the screen, but he's just like, this next card, those are good cards. Those are going to win. I'm like, I have Jack-3 offsuit. What the hell are you talking about? He's like, no, it's good. It's good. So then I would play Jack-3 offsuit, and I would win, and he did it like you know, 15 hands in a row, and he really scared the hell out of me. And then it was, after he finished, he was so drained by the experience that he needed to eat, which Story never does. So that obviously made it all true also. Wow. The fact that he actually needed to eat after doing it. The force is strong with Story that one. Story does not eat. I wasn't aware of that. I'm actually playing around with Google Earth as we're speaking. Isn't it wild? I just like dragging the globe around. I like using the hand to drag the globe around. That's my favorite part so far. <laughs> it's just like, it is definitely, definitely very cool. Yeah, well, we all have sort of some psychic. Uh, Earth stop rotating. Some sort of psychic, uh, psychic intelligence, I would suppose. Do you ever feel that way, Andy? That uh, if you could just figure out, ever try to prevent some kind, like create some kind of psychic, um, you know, prediction for how a trial is going to go, or what argument is likely to be effective in a given trial, is that accepted? No. Oh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, a little bit, a little. Okay, good. Oh, zooming into Beverly Hills! Ah! <laughs> yeah, be careful not to go too far. I, <laughs> so cool. I, be careful not to go too far. I, I actually made the mistake of actually flying too close. Uh, like, I, I actually jumped back because I thought I had hit the ground, and then I remembered I was a doofus because I was actually looking at a monitor screen. Uh, oh, oh! Speaking of of it's travel, cool when it zooms in. Speaking of zooming, I have some big news that I hadn't told you guys. Big news for me that I uh, that I just found out about. I have a paper that I have just had accepted at a conference in Salzburg, Austria, in March, that I'm going to be presenting. Uh, and the cool part is the name... Wow. wow. Yeah, the cool part is the name of the conference. Get what the conference name is. It is the Conference of Perspectives on Evil and Human Wickedness. That's right. I am delivering a paper... That's pretty cool. ...on evil. 
That is the coolest thing ever, in my view. What? Wait a minute. What is your paper? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> the, yeah, the dogs in the neighborhood have picked up Greg's evil paper scent, and they're like, <laughs> something is bad nearby. <laughs> hold on, something hold on. Something is bad. Hold on. Rrr, kill it, kill it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Call her. They're attacking him. Greg's dog never does this. There seriously must be some horrible thing going on. The rats have come to roost in Greg's apartment, and the dog is flipping out. Oh, I know why. It's because you're not... I, okay, so let me explain to these people <laughs> what just happened. So my wife walked in, and normally when my wife walks in, it's because my wife walks in and always does something like, Hello, Babushka! Hello, Chica! She does something like that, and she's got her head on there, right? Wait, what does she do? So she does that, and then... Oh, that's it! We can hear it! <laughs> she's doing it right now. That's right. She's like, I think I think it's more that Lilo was sort of freaked out and didn't ex- and my dog Lilo was freaked out by the appearance of my wife in a sort of odd fashion and didn't expect to see her when she saw her and so started barking at her. I think she now feels rather embarrassed about the whole situation. You really must have a great connection with your dog. I do. Get all those subtle emotions out of I do. barking and well, you know, wagging. She, dogs are the great thing about dogs is that they're um they're fairly uh they're fairly expressive with their body language. You can get a sense of what's going on. Anyway, um, so it's rather bizarre that that all happened. I was talking about this conference. But again, the conference is on evil and human wickedness. And that's what's so cool. And what's your paper on? It is three easy ways to defeat evil. No, um, it's not that. It's actually a paper on nice. um, Milton and Hawthorne and um, the way that the two authors spoke about evil. And it's great. Um the last uh, conference had um, papers on um, oh, what was there? There was a there was a paper on wickedness and transsexualism in uh, the work of uh, Henry James. Uh, we had such great papers as <laughs> Internet Evil and Wickedness. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. you can just write a paper Wickedness and anything Wickedness and Hewlett Packard. Printers. Oh, let me tell you, if I told you some of the paper signs, some of the paper things that I've seen, you know, the the paper information and everything else, you people would be would be disturbed. Is all I gotta say about that. There's there's lots and lots of it's ridiculous. Like some of the some of the things that they have in terms of like uh information about different papers that have been produced and titles is really silly. Like let me just give you an example, okay? I just pulled up the website. This is from their two thousand four conference, right? Um Here's one. The unbearable brutality of being, casual cruelty in prison, and what this tells us about who we really are. We also have dichotomous thinking and the culture of destruction, revisiting youth activism in China during the May 4th period. How about homo economicus as homo diabolus, Don DeLillo on the problem of rogue capitalism. I think we've now achieved a level of specificity that there is no longer any interest group, subculture, or nerdy club that will have anything to do with our show. They're just like, <laughs> this is beyond me. This is more specific than anything I can imagine. How, how about this one? This, this one, evil language distorted realities. The evils of same sex, the U.S. gay marriage debate, identifying the enemy, deconstructing drugs and the intersections with gender, and discourses of evil, abortion, and capabilities. What was that? 
This is getting discourse intersecting drugs. So it was about drugs and homosexuality, and that there's some connection with that and evil. No, no, no. I think it's identifying the enemy, deconstructing drugs, and the intersections with gender. I think what they're saying is that women do drugs more. Uh, I think. Huh. That sounds like something that came, you know, straight out of the uh, the neoconservative right. They're like evil, classified as homosexuals on drugs. Next subject: <laughs> random titles, <laughs> giblets and monkey feces. <laughs> A study. That's very interesting to me and me only. <laughs> Next is Cycles of Life of the Leather Wallet by Jimmy Fluffy. <laughs> well, here's the point. I can't even be... The, the problem is I can't even be as successfully random as the things that you're reading. Even my brain is like, no, you have to think things that make sense. And then you read titles, that makes no sense. <laughs> I know, it's definitely They true. beat me every time. Okay, so I'll tell a story now. Oh, now thank I'll, I'm just going to tell a story. I mean Buddha. Thank Buddha. Story. All right. Okay. My story. Picture me. You can't picture me because you don't even know me. But Your picture's on the website. You exist because I imagine it to be Your so. Your picture's on the website. But picture a guy like me. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Picture me. Picture me. Sitting on the subway train. <laughs> commuting Stop to work. Stop saying picture me. <laughs> Sorry. Picture me. Commuting no! to work. <laughs> and then, you know... I don't know. If you if you live in New York, you'll know immediately what I'm talking about. If not, you probably have a good idea. When you're on the subway, you get panhandled. And what happens is somebody, you know, just kind of opens up the, the car door and comes in and says, Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Michael. I've been on the street for four years now. I'm just trying to get something warm to eat. I would be happy to take anything you'd care to give me. And, and they, they do this sort of set routine. You can tell they said it like a thousand times. And, you know, some people give him money. Well, this guy comes into our train. He does his routine. He collects, you know, pr- pretty paltry. Maybe he might, he might have gotten a buck out of the whole train. He leaves the train car and is, wants to go into another one. He, he actually looks like he wants to cross over to, to, to the other side of the uh, platform and get on another train. But the other train closes, you know, the door's closed in his face. He can't get on the train. So he comes back to ours, apparently not realizing that he's coming back into the exact same car. <laughs> so we start going again, and he starts, Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. And some guy goes, We know your name is Michael. You've been on the street. You want something to eat. You've been here before. Please, not again. We already gave you. And and the guy's like, hey, listen, mister, I'm just trying to get something. And the guy says, we know, you're just trying to get something to eat. You're hungry. <laughs> we already gave you money. I've seen and this the, movie. He, this movie sucks. <laughs> it was terrible the first time. Michael walks up to the guy to like the, to confront him. He starts yelling, you, you jerk. I'm, I'm trying to keep a PG here. You effing jerk. And he's walking up to him, I'm just trying to get something to eat. And on his way, he bumps into this guy. The guy he bumps into is wearing a dark suit, sunglasses. Now, we're in the train. Underground, he's wearing sunglasses. He has a long ponytail and a leather jacket. Is it the Matrix? And he bumps into this guy, and the guy's... I, I didn't even know what to make when I first saw the guy before. All, all, all of a sudden, the whole and the whole car went dark, and you're down, 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 and then all of a sudden, Keanu Reeves comes in. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, and it became a porn movie. <laughs> I didn't read your music correctly. Yeah, I, I thought that was porn music. I was pretty sure that was porn music, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, the homeless guy on the subway I, 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 is a common lead-in to that porn, too. yes. Call the time, that's how it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's that underground so, homosexual homeless porn. Hey, baby, oh. is that dirty coat go all the way one. up? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the the, oh, the tall freakish guy standing right in front of me, and I watch the homeless guy bump into him, and the guy's like, "Hey, watch it." And the homeless guy says, "What's your problem?" He said, "You bumped me." And the homeless guy said, "I'll bump you if I want to." And the guy's like, "You know, you you better watch it." And the homeless guy says, "What? You want to fight? You want to fight? Come on, you want to fight me?" And the guy says, "The guy, in all seriousness, says, listen, I don't want to fight you, but I'll effing kill you. There won't be a fight. You'll just be dead." And I, this guy was the most convincing guy ever when he came to this. I thought that's probably true. Yeah. I think the guy, the homeless guy, would just be dead. I mean, he just said it with this cold. Just said, "Look, there won't be a fight at all. You'll just be dead. So don't bump me again. I'll kill you." And the homeless guy's like, "You want to fight?" And he said, "No. I told you, I don't want to fight. We're either not going to do anything at all, or else I'm going to kill you. Don't bump me again." <laughs> and he was dead serious. And and thank God that the the train was coming to a stop at the next uh, the next station by then, because I think the homeless guy was about to bite thank it. Thank God. I mean, I was pretty sure. That Why? The, thank God. This the cool part of the well, story would have been what happens next. I was sitting too. <laughs> Seriously, that would have been the best story ever. <laughs> and then the homeless guy whipped out a and everyone left. The, if I and then everyone tell her left the train and like, they were fine. This is like end. a foot away from my face. I'm sitting. I'm sitting there, and they're having this exchange right in front of me. I thought for sure I, I would be caught in the crossfire. I thought the punchline was going to be, and then the crossfire. It would just be the one guy shooting. Right. Exactly. Shooting the homeless guy. I don't think the homeless guy would have been shooting back. The punchline would have been they would have both turned you and been Anyhow, like, "What? We're both going to kick your ass. Both of us. You're going to be dead." And you're like, "What? Me?" And they're like, "Yes. You. You've been watching us. We don't trust you." Can we make this into a choose-your-own-adventure story and add our own ending? Oh, exactly. I choose to watch sure. what happens. I, 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 I know it's not the best ending, but, <laughs> but you know, it's pretty good. As no, it had so go, much promise. It Let's it do was it. A great build up. I know. So then, Michael, the homeless man. Why don't we do this? I learned this exercise at Craplings, <laughs> where it's called three word story. We're all going to play That's now. Actually, and anyone at home who wishes to steal to. this patented, patented training from the comedy improv Groundlings, like, feel free to listen to the games that I teach you and not pay them money for them. <laughs> okay. Here we go. The first game is called. Three-word story. Okay. And the way that we play this is fairly straightforward. We just alternate. We'll go in a circle to make it easy since we can't see each other, where we each say three words, and then we try to make it coherent. But, you know, as we're telling our part of the story, we can only use three words at a time. This is like how we do the MEP report every week. And what week. we're going to do in this case... Every week we do this. <laughs> exactly. Three words at a time. <laughs> we have, like, 19-word stories <laughs> on the MEP exactly. report. And this is a three-word story. It's a very simplified <laughs> version. Don't try this at home. Okay, here we go. Three-word story. What we're going to do is we're going to try to write a different ending for Andy's subway encounter. And I will start. My, okay, what do we do? We'll do me, and then Greg, and then Andy, and then me again. And then we'll just go in a circle until it all falls apart, which usually happens in not too long. Okay. Time. Okay. <laughs> Michael approached the... Uh-oh, it's already falling apart. Hello. <laughs> Andy, it's you. Those are my three words. It, no. What? <laughs> We've already lost. Hello? The game is suck. Okay, let's try again. <laughs> you see how hard this, is, this bullshit is? I can is? see why they're so you funny, see why Andy. you have to pay $5 million to do this? I can totally see why. So Russ, hard. I can see why you didn't okay. get to the next stage. This is tough stuff. <laughs> All right. We're going to go me, Greg, and then Andy, and then me again. We'll go in a circle. Three-word story. Michael encountered the... Large, jacketed man who said, I'll freaking kill you. Some old bitch. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> uh, that was, that was yeah. a crappy story. <laughs> we are crap. I think I just threw everyone off. And so died another useless improv exercise that never taught anyone anything except how to waste money on crap. <laughs> the end. Oh, bitterness eternal. Well, speaking of the end, believe it or not, we've actually reached that time, gentlemen, where uh, our podcast has concluded for yet another week. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening in to us again at themepreport.com. We want to remind everybody, please, to spread the word about us to friends, relations. If you have any other obscure jokes or paper titles that you'd like to tell people about or Aspen Perg connected people that you'd like to discuss this with, they're the perfect kind of people for this. And it's a great Christmas gift. All you have to do is give them a piece of paper with a link on it. It's free. You know, it doesn't cost you anything or them. So it's a perfect <laughs> Christmas gift. And um, It's a cheap-ass Christmas gift. It's a cheap gift. Christmas gift. And, um, and it's great, and it's fun for the whole family. So we want to thank everyone for listening in. Oh, also make sure to consult our newsletter, which is newly published. It's Podcast and Transsexualism, a look into the emu fields of New Zealand. That's recently published. Yep, that's a very big one. We're very excited about that. And will be presented in a conference somewhere randomly on the internet. On the perspectives and, on weird birds. And we're going to Muncie. We're going to be in Muncie, Indiana. We should plug this. We're also going to be presenting that one in Muncie, Indiana right. in February, February 16th, right. at the um, the Muncie Convention Center. That's right next to the Denny's. It's between the Denny's and the IHOP on, on Route 57. So, Andy, um, why have I heard of Muncie, Indiana in the news recently? Where, where do you? I've heard of Muncie, Indiana in the news. What was going on there? Seriously. This just happened. Um, they were just I talking just about this. Muncie, Indiana? Oh. I was just uh, maybe I just imagined city. it and oh, you God. thought it became yeah, real. Never go. mind. <laughs> no, seriously, like this. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Till next week, we'll see you guys later on. Say goodbye, everybody. Later, Gators. Where is story? Where is story? He's on vacation with the cult of burgers. Holy crap. Holy crap. Cunt. He is naked. Cunt. And Buddha. Put your money back at the door.